0: Welcome to the Clemson Dudcast. It is Wednesday, July 5th. The smoke's still clearing from the fireworks set off by Offensive Lineman Commitment Ronan O'Connell, our Paul Strelo at Tiger did a fantastic job covering that story, and of course, continues to have his finger on the pulse of all things Clemson recruiting. So if you're not subscribing already, now's the time. at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M, law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service, integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union. If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as Iptay members. Its office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Okay, a few weeks ago, we joined Brad Brownell in his office for a lengthy sit down And we're going to provide The full audio of that right here Always fun to sit down With Brownell This certainly, no exception Enjoy, here we go With, you dj And like sort of uh, <coughs> Your thoughts and emotions Through that stretch When it went from I mean at least conventional wisdom Was oh, he's just put his name in And there's not much danger of him and then him performing so well to to then make it actually a viable uh, option?
1: Um, I mean, I I guess the first thing I would say is, you know, PJ and I talked Uh multiple times before he left. um, And so I knew that, you know, it's going to take something really, really good to get him to leave I mean I just he has a tremendous love of Clemson Um, you know I I I think he wants to leave a a real legacy here as a player Um, be one of the best to play at Clemson and you know he knows the other thing I think he's excited about is just having a year where he's been healthy you know he really hasn't been completely healthy probably almost ever um and see what he can do so I know that all of those things and then I think he and the other thing is he I mean he genuinely likes being a student here he, he loves the Clemson experience he's having a great time you know um obviously he he wants you know our team to take another step and have a big year but he you know he loves Clemson loves hanging out he loves his teammates, he he loves going and playing golf and in the afternoons and you know just going to the lake and just you know being close to home. I mean I think he's just had a a really good experience minus the injuries, you know. And uh, so you know, basketball wise, certainly he wants to play in the NBA, um, but he doesn't want to, you know. At this point in his career, he doesn't want to be the journeyman, right, to get there or the um, uh, maybe the G League. Um, And so we had talked about all that. And so I knew that he, you know, again, a lot of it for him was more information gathering. And then just the other thing you get to do that guys want to do is they want to test themselves, right? They want to test themselves against other great players. That's what competitors do. And, um pj you know hadn't had that opportunity to do it in this format and he wanted to get feedback and so it was a great experience for him um certainly you know you know i mentioned to you one other time that i knew that he was going to play really well just because watching him over the last month of our workouts at the end of the season you know um he was even at a different level then than I thought he was at the end of our season um you know he had a very hard year I think it was people don't realize how challenging this year was for PJ and his family frankly um you know it's going back and watching all the films which we've you know we all are doing and have been doing since our season and watching early season games and it's he's not even the same player. You know, it's funny. I'm watching the, the Penn State game that we won and they had some little guard, we call it cowboy defense, drop coverage, and some little guard went right at him at the rim and he couldn't even block the shot and they scored. And it's like I mean, that would never happen, you know, in February. And it certainly wouldn't be close to happening right now with his athleticism back and and so I think but you go back and watch South Carolina game. You watch, you know, like I watched the Iowa game uh, probably for the third time just the other day, and, you know, it, we didn't even play him some because he just he wasn't moving very well, and he really wasn't in a good headspace. He also had a, a death in the family, not his family, but a girlfriend's family who he was really close with. The father passed away, really heartbreaking. Uh, unexpectedly, so there just were so many things that were going on that he was dealing with. Um, you know, especially November, December. You know, it got better after the new year. Um, but it again, it was hard and hard for PJ, hard for all of us in some ways. But um, I, you know, again, my point to all of this is that he. You know, he wants to see what he can do when he's really healthy and and feels good, and, you know, and I think that's what's so exciting about next year. Um, you know, but I knew that he was going to play extremely well um, after watching him work out for a month. You know, we gave him, I don't know, 10 days, two weeks after the season, and just kind of the wear and tear of a season, you get to kind of lick your wounds and, you know, get the fatigue factor mental and physical kind of wears off a little bit and you get kind of refreshed and you come back and start working out, which we do with our guys and in the spring. And I mean, he was, he was at another level and, uh, and then we had our first workout yesterday and he was at, he's at this, I mean, he's just at another level right now. Um, he's, he's just really moving better than I've ever seen him move in terms of, um, conditioning bounce athleticism and then he's got a little more swagger you know which is you know you're just really happy when kids get to that point cuz that's that's when their confidence is up and you you know they're going to play well
0: there's not a lot of common knowledge about how the nba draft evaluation process works like i didn't even know like oh there's a there's one separate from the actual combine and the and the, uh, the elite league camp can you, can you just in layman's terms can you just sort of, sort of well
1: the first thing yeah the first thing is at least now not all the a lot of the first round draft choices and even others don't participate in the actual combine they choose not to mm-hmm. um you know it's the same thing with a football situation they may get it may come in and get measured and weighed and do some of the stuff, but they're not going to do the actual competition. Now, some guys do. Um, that's the camp that Hunter and PJ played themselves into. Um, before that, they were just invited to the elite camp, which is a uh, you know um, another group of players that are you know even behind that initially. And obviously those guys played in that for a couple of days and played very well and played themselves into the the combine. Um, but then obviously not everybody at the combine, you know, most of those guys, very few guys at the combine are going to get drafted. Some will, but, um, you know, and I actually think that they're changing it to where they're going to force, I think it's next year that the NBA is going to make everybody be in the combine. Um, but what, so you, you that's, that's what you see because that's on TV in the meantime you get invited to go do workouts with NBA teams and those are usually anywhere from three to six players and obviously you know that team puts you through whatever they want to put you through they're different at different teams Uh, and so you know you might come in with two guards two big guys and two wings you also might come in with You know, four big guys and two guards. You might, you might come in with, you know, Hunter Tyson might be there with six wings, and they're just, they're obviously evaluating them all against one another in a variety of situations. And then there's the basketball, but then there's the the interview process where they sit you down and, you know, talk to you and get to know you and probably test you a little bit in some things there, and and so, you know, Hunter because he's obviously where he is in his situation is he's worked out for, shoot, 12, 15 teams by, by the time it's all going to be done. PJ worked out with, I don't know, two or three. Um, and so you're, you're kind of doing some of that, playing your way into a combine situation, elite camp, combine, and then you're gathering information all the while. Um, you are allowed to have an agent now to help you in the process um and then you you kind of make some you know get some information back we get a little feedback from from an nba advisory committee which you you give them the names of players right at the end of your season who could possibly you know put their name in the draft or want to get information back and then we get some feedback on that which is kind of anonymous info uh, we share that as well as some information that we've got from NBA folks that call our staff, um, you know, and then you try to make the best decision you can.
0: Um, how, how often did you talk with him during that
1: time? Once uh, a yeah, a couple times a week, yeah. once or twice a week. just.
0: We know how much he loves Clemson, loves the program, uh, loves playing for you. Is it rare that you have a player, especially in today's world that's like communicating with you so closely during that type of process or not? not so much? Uh,
1: I think everything, every situation is different. Um, you know certainly, you know I'm not calling those guys, you know, all the time, you try to give them space, right? You try to give them some space, talk to them kind of before to help them when they're, Hey, this is what you're going to face when you go out there. This is what, you know, these could even be some situations that you need to be ready for. And, you know, I do think that one thing that happens is when our guys do go out there in those environments, there's a lot of things that they've learned within our program terminology how we do things how we play that help them and they that comes back as a benefit to us when they come back and you're like well how'd it go would you you know coach it's we worked on all the same we did a lot of the same drills we do or we do you know we did this we worked off a couple of these same actions in three-on-three that we work on in practice so I was very comfortable and so that's you know makes you feel good and is reassuring um but You know, you're just trying to help them with certain things, but also give them the space to let them have this experience and see what, you know, what they want out of it. Um, You know, and then more not, it's, you know, touch base on if you need anything and then, um, you know, help answer some questions when when there's some questions. But um, then when it's all done and it's like, all right, I'm shutting it down and now I'm going to think about what we're going to do, you know, have a little longer conversation about what it is that, you know, what it is you're looking for and what do you want. But, I mean, I think it was pretty clear with P.J. that, again, unless something was crazy like he's going to be a first-round pick, he's more than likely he wants to come back and feels like he has some unfinished business. And, and again, I think as much of anything he just really enjoys it here.
0: I'm Yeah. I've written that nil beefing up his nil was a part of it. Can you? I don't know if you can or want to talk about that part of
1: it. That's not really, um, you know, my decision. I, but, but I think folks that are in that, you know, in that space know that that certainly is part of it. I mean, I think that, you know, without it, there's, you know, that's a significant financial difference and. So that changes things, um, as it would with most people.
0: When and how did he inform you he was coming back? Can you paint that picture for me?
1: You know, there wasn't any big phone call or anything like that. And I don't even remember, like, the official phone call or, you know. I mean, he and I sat down and it was more of a one-on-one afterwards like coach you know I'm I'm not going anywhere I don't want to go anywhere you know this has been really good for me and you know but I love Clemson I love being here and you know I want to have a great year next year and again I want to leave a legacy and do great things and um you know this is just part of his growth process right and it is it's fun as a coach this is you know the part that that I miss about what what is happening with with our sport right now not just our sport with college athletics is you know we become attached to these guys right like I mean I've been you know start recruiting PJ probably end of his sophomore year um, and that's you know he's been in college three years so that's five years I mean at Hunter Tyson I recruited him you know, probably beginning of his junior year. I mean, I've known Hunter for seven years. Like, these are, these are long-lasting, deep, you know, relationships you have with these guys. And the funny part is watching them change from when they're 16 years old to 22 or 23, you know, and just watching how much more mature they are, you know, um, and thinking about when they were freshmen. And, I mean, P.J., You know, was very immature and just, you know, uh, just watching him grow and change. And I mean, the same with Hunter, but um, and watching them go through these processes, right? Or this process is another example of just, you know, getting where they need to get to, you know, watching them, you know, change how serious they get about the basketball? Like, there, there's another level if you're, you know, when you become a really good player. Like, there's a whole different, like Hunter Tyson's approach. His this this past season, I mean, he was like a professional, and everybody else was, you know, college guys. Um, and I say that from the standpoint of, you know, he. I, I think I've told the story that. He might now. He didn't. He's grad student, so everything's online, so the class part of it is easier in terms of time. He's not leaving, so he's got all day every day. Well, he might have a nine o'clock wait session. He shows up at seven forty-five and he gets his cup of coffee and right. He sits down and goes and makes his oatmeal and and you know he's he's gotten with the nutritionist of what it is exactly he should be eating, and so he's getting his deal. And he goes and sits down and watches sports center in the lounge and drinks his cup of coffee and eats and slowly gets up and then changes and you know goes into the weight room at 840 for a nine o'clock lift and gets himself stretched out ready to go and then you know lifts and then when he's done he goes and shoots for 45 minutes with a GA you know and you know the typical thing for like a freshman is they come scrambling in here you know at eight forty five for a nine o'clock weight, they run and go put their stuff on real fast and sprint into the weight room at eight fifty five and, you know, get in and get out and you know, they're just they're just in different places and it's hard for them to understand, you know, the mental approach. And so watching these guys grow through this mental approach, like, you know, especially PJ here in the last, you know, three to four months since you know since January really when he started to get himself back in a good place and start playing better and then watching him in this off season there's been another level of growth that you really enjoy
0: how was he very immature as a freshman not that that's that normal I'm just curious
1: like just really goofy yeah. I mean he's a fun-loving easygoing personality but doesn't take things too serious and You know, there are times it needs to be a little more serious. Um, uh, You know, nothing. I mean, (laughs) you know, PJ has locked his car, his keys in his car with his car running on multiple occasions. Like it happened to anybody once, but it's happened to him multiple times. (laughs) Like, I mean, he's, you know, he's little absent-minded right like just i mean he's it's what makes him part of what makes him an unbelievable teammate he's so carefree and fun loving that he and he wants everybody to to have fun and be successful and he's your biggest cheerleader i've told the story a million times like watching him play in high school and you know everybody gets up and is in it is excited when the walk-ons go in or when a in a high school game when the you know, the, the last couple guys get – PJ's, like, out of control. And it's, it's not – some kids, I think, are doing it because you're supposed to do it. Like, PJ's doing it because he's genuinely happy for you. I mean, he's just got an unbelievable heart, like he really does. And, uh, you know, and that's that's what – again, that's what makes him an unbelievable teammate. What
0: does a fully maximized, fully healthy – PJ in his final year look like? Uh, I think we talked about
1: rebounding. To- yeah, he needs to be a better defender and reap. Like, that's that's where he has to, to take the biggest. That's where he can affect the game more than he has. Um, his athleticism, blocking shots, rebounding, you know, just ball screen coverage defense needs to be better, right? Like, those, those are some of the things that. Guarding people out on the floor needs – those are things that – because everybody knows he can shoot the ball. He's got good touch. He's got incredible hands. Um, you know, his knowledge of the game has, has grown uh, a good bit and will continue to because he's even into it even more. Um, but defending and rebounding are the two areas that he's got to help our team, t- you know, be better on a consistent basis and that's, you know, where his athleticism and physicality and size and conditioning, you know, the other, that was another thing in terms of immature, you know, PJ, especially as a younger player, but he's, he's, he's really had to, he didn't run very well. And in terms of conditioning, he just, you forget sometimes with kids who are that big and, you know, an 18 year old with size 17, 18 shoes and, you know, carrying more weight that fatigue, right? Like just would I mean just wear out. And even, you know, watching him at the beginning of last season just physically wasn't anything, you know, he's not that part of it is he's gotta really work at it. He's not a a high level athlete in terms of conditioning and being able to run up and down and sustain. That's that's that takes real work for him. Um, And that's where he's at another level. And you saw some of it playing in the combine. And it's something that I talked to him about is, hey, buddy, you got to show people that you can get up and down the floor. You you, you know, they have a view of you as a plodding big man, you know, with big feet. And and you've got to show that you can get up and down and you can move. And, and, uh, again, that's why I think when I saw him this spring, the four weeks leading into it, even in that four week period by the end he was he was at a high level and it's continue right now um uh, because he knows that that's he can control that and that's you know he's got to control that with everything he does and he's you know that's one thing he and I will talk about you know here at some point real soon is just you know diet and when you get to a certain level it's not as easy to To get better, like you've got to change little things because you've already made a lot of bigger improvements. You've got to, you know, incrementally you've got to do more different things now. And uh, so his conditioning and diet and um, getting rest and sleeping and and maximizing is is something that will become really important for him.
0: People say rebounding and defense comes down to want to but it sounds like the want to for him is not in the game itself but just preparing putting himself into the
1: yeah a little bit It. it yeah I mean he'll have plenty of want to I mean has, has he always had a you know defensive want to some but I think when you're you know when you're not in great shape and you're again when you're a young player you've never been in good shape and for big guys you know that's really hard the physical like I mean Amir Sims used to just wear him out like it was and Amir Sims was a grown up senior PJ's a freshman hey they weighed similar but it wasn't good weight you know for PJ and so and then just the mental how much the mental wears on you um, when you're trying to figure it out uh, is challenging and so you know, PJ will have plenty of want to, and as he's gotten older, he's gotten better with that. But it's he hasn't been healthy to be able to move like. I mean, his sophomore year, even the guy's playing with a stress reaction, and eventually is you know, I mean, he got a stress fracture, and he's he's fighting through it. So like, he's got plenty of courage and toughness. It's not, but there's also some mobility and athleticism that you just don't you just don't have it and part of it with him was conditioning too is not practicing very often you know i mean the guy only practiced the day before a game his sophomore year from the middle of december on mm-hmm. uh and that was 30 minutes i mean it was just enough to get him to where he could because he does pj does need to need rep like it, he needs reps he he it's not naturally easy he needs to go through things um and again, that's, that was part of the problem with this year was he just wasn't, you know, his body had to be careful um, for a long time. And uh, now he's in phenomenal shape, and he's moving unbelievably well, and he's practicing consistently at a high level. And again, I think you'll see all of that.
0: Can we dig into how the pursuit of uh, Gerard started and, like, just sort of the play-by-play yeah. play of that, with the visit? And I think that you and... Yep. Just
1: yeah. Um, yeah. We just uh, obviously, you know, it's one of those deals. People a lot of times ask, well, you know, you 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 get uh, you have information, so you're you're kind of hearing. I right, hear all the new. Here's the transfer portal, and then like here's a highlighted. Uh, list of all the guys going in today right and then obviously it's updated every day and so everybody kind of gets this right and uh, you know at at different times of from when the portal opens into the season until it ends you know there are different times and cycles when hey there's a lot of names going in at once there's you know uh, then it starts to slow down and um so Joe's name goes in, and Coach Donlin, you know, we obviously were very familiar, right? Played against him and know him and uh, know him as a player. And, you know, we kind of talked about it as a staff and is that, you know, a guy we think would fit? Yes. Um, Coach Donlan, um gets on the phone, makes a phone call, and uh, – one of the things was that coach Gerard or Joe's dad actually played for John Beeline um, a million years ago. and so Coach Dolan had worked for Coach Beeline. and so you know, it made it a little easier for, hey, that opening phone call just to you know talk about some stuff like that. Um, you know, I think there was, from Joe's standpoint, You know Joe because he had played against us. There was familiarity there. Hey, so he knows how we play. He's been to Clemson twice, I think. Um, Played in the gym. Knows what that's like. Knows our team. Knows we have Chase Hunter. Knows we have PJ Hall. Like knows we were you know really good last year. Finished third in the league. Um, So there's some. He wants to win. I mean, so there's some things there that, um, you know, okay, that's good. Well, I mean, when a kid like Joe Girard goes into portal, he probably has 40 phone calls. I mean, it's literally overwhelming. And, uh, you know, and then you, you know, but everybody's making these first couple calls, right? Just to, is there any interest at all? Well, some some kids you don't hear back from right away. Some, somebody may give you, ah, I'm going to stay close to home. You know, you're trying – again, this is like speed dating, so you're trying to figure it out as quickly as possible without wasting time because you've you got other guys going in and you're, you're, juggling, you're juggling balls here at times trying to figure out who do we really have a shot at, who do we not have a shot at. You know, when you do these things and you finish second or third – there's a lot of time wasted in in a situation where it could be affecting other recruits, and so you're constantly managing all of that a little bit. Um, but we got good feedback initially, um, you know. And every time you know I would call or Joe would or Billy would call, you know Joe would right away respond, and just so probably not responding to everybody, right? Like it's just. And so you kind of get a little juice off of that. Hey, it's, it seems like it's going well. And then, all right, the next hurdle is they're starting to have people in home visits. And so, all right, you know, hey, we we need to go up there and sit down with the family. And so we, you know, flew up there and met with the family and, and uh, felt like that went really well and just obviously talked about what, you know, what we saw, our role for Joe, why we thought we were going to be good, you know, why him, um, answer a bunch of questions for them, and then kind of came back. And, you know, then it's like, all right, well, what's going to be next? You know, and this, and for a while, the dad was like, this is going to take a little while for us. Like, we're, and it, it, this process was lasting a couple of weeks. I mean, it was, you know you're going through some things and it's like hey we you know we're we're really we got a lot of interest we're trying to manage it you know we don't want to waste people's time but we also need to be respectful of what you know us getting our information and what we really want out of all of this and so then it's you just kind of keep going step by step and you know they thought they were going to take three or four visits and they ended up going to LSU and you're like well we'll see like is he are they really going to do it are they going to commit on the first visit because in these situations sometimes when somebody goes on a visit the other school then will be like you know if you leave campus we can't guarantee that you're still going to have the scholarship you know um and so you're again you're managing all that and so we you know we got in we got the second visit and they came and had a great time and um just really hit it off with our players i think and It was just, it was really good, and uh, I think Joe felt really comfortable. I think he liked going, idea of going south, Um, and I think he, you know, he wanted to go somewhere he thought he could win and and fit a system. And lucky for us, it all worked out.
0: There were some, I guess, alleged knocks on him: undersized, zone. But as y'all did your digging. um, some of that sort of washed away by like you mentioned the practice against
1: man a yeah. lot um, yeah. some of those yeah I mean there's knocks on everybody right, right? I mean that's but we've obviously competed against Joe uh, for four years and you know his stats certainly speak for themselves in terms of productivity um, and you watch him and he's just, he's a he's a he's a real competitive guy like when you get to know him like I really enjoyed talking to him during the recruiting process I just you know I remember my wife listening to a conversation and she could tell we were riding a car and she's like man you really enjoy talking to him I can tell you guys are hitting it off and he seems to like talking to you you're talking to him it just one of those things where you know it, it seemed to fit and uh you know, you just – the more you kind of talk to some kids, it just – it hits. It, it it's, feels more natural and you can just – you almost feel like the dots connecting, right? And why, why it should fit and uh, felt that way with Joe a lot. And, uh, you know, he just uh, – I think he's just a competitive kid. I mean, he, obviously he was an all-state football player, quarterback, won state championships in football. State basketball player, won state championships in basketball, wants to win. That's a big part of why he's, that was one of his things he was looking for in this decision. Um, You know, and so yes, you know, has he played a lot of man-to-man defense? No, but I think, you know, we obviously talk about it during the recruitment, and it's something that he wants to show people he can do. Um, I laughed and told the story of how in one of our coaching meetings, Coach Bender mentioned, hey, I remember watching Joe, his senior, right summer before his senior year in a big AAU event with City Rocks, which is a big New York-based AAU team, and they were playing CP3, Chris Paul, AAU out of North Carolina. So there's you know, the best players in North Carolina, and they're playing in an unbelievable game and Nike event. And Bender was watching, and he said, oh, it was, it was one of the best games of the summer, and Joe's out there, fighting his tail off against these other kids from North Carolina who we're probably looking at, and um, they're playing man-to-man defense, obviously. And, uh, you know, and he remembers looking Joe's name up and is like, oh, shoot, he's already going to Syracuse, you know. So, um, yeah, so we're comfortable and confident that Joe will be a competitive guy and will figure out whatever he needs to do to play, be good.
0: Does he have any insights into – to this program, I mean, this is a veteran guy who's observed a lot. Any any insights from him that struck you as uh, maybe a compliment or? Ah, uh, uh, curious.
1: I think he liked how we play. Mm-hmm. You know, um, liked you know the way our guys share the ball and seem to really get along. You know, I think there are some times you're out there playing against teams, and you can tell when. There are guys on teams barking at each other and selfishness and just, you know, guys who don't maybe get along. They're wearing the same jerseys but not really a team. And I think he felt, you know, felt that with our team this year that we were really, especially this year, probably connected even more. And, um, you know, and he he enjoyed playing in little, John. He did say that too.
0: Absolutely thrilled to have Willie Taco joining the Dubcast as a sponsor. The company that also owns the great freight yard and flock shop in Spartanburg is run by Clemson People. And they have five locations for Willie Taco and its splendid brand of Fresh Fusion. Quick testimonial here. Recently took a party of 10 to the Easley location of Willie Taco. First time there for everybody in the group. Everything. The service, the cocktails, the food was just exceptional. Folks, this does not happen by accident. They do an amazing job. Job across the board. The Easily location of Willy Taco is planning an event with PJ Hall, so stay tuned for that. Easily address 5051 Calhoun Memorial Highway. The website is W I L L Y Taco.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is the Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith & Archenthal. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-350. 07. What's your evaluation of Chase last year, given it was his first year point? Yeah. And sort of.
1: I thought he did really well. I, I really did. I thought uh, for him to take that over, you know, was something that um, we talked about a little bit. Um, and it was, you know, I was confident because I'd seen him every day in practice um, and so I knew that he had the ball handling skills and the, I knew he was really good in decision-making out of pick and roll because um, we, we you know, used to run some things for him when he wasn't at the point to get him the ball and pick and roll and let him make decisions even, you know, when he was playing the two or the three. Um, but I do think uh, the part that I probably underestimated um, – and he underestimated um, is <clears throat> at the front of your defense guarding the ball. There, there's a wearing effect there that, um, and it's it's that's different from guarding guys off the ball consistently. Uh, it's it wears you down, um, you know you're going to have to defend more ball screens. You're going to be put in more pick and rolls. Um, and that's probably an area of improvement for us moving forward next year. We've got to – we've got to – you know, we we kind of made a dec- I made a decision. It was – you know, it was hard. It was um, – you know, one of the best things I did last year was uh, – we went to the big line. After we lost to Loyola, we went to a bigger lineup, uh, moving, you know, not playing the three guards and playing Ian Shefflin and R.J. Moore at the four, playing Hunter to three. Um, and it helped us, you know, helped our rebounding. It helped us defensively have more length, um, it, you know, it wasn't as easy to come to that conclusion at the beginning of the year because pj wasn't able to really play as much and so we were like ah we need you know we're going to need ian some at the 5 and he, he did play at the 5 with ben and hunter needs to be our 4 and you know we've got hemingway healthy and so we got hemingway and galloway and and chase which is fine and, you know, to be honest with you, our Sweet 16 team, we had three guards with Shelton, Marquise, and, and Gabe. And so it was kind of like that. Going into the year, I think that's how we thought, especially with P.J.'s situation. Um, but, but not going that way and going bigger and moving Hunter down ended up helping us defensively because we didn't have as much ball pressure from our guards as – Maybe in some years. And Chase fighting through all of that was probably an area that there was a wearing effect there. Um, And, you know, his backup just being a freshman, his brother, it it, it just, you know, we need to this year apply a little more pressure from the guard spot. Chase is going to have to do a a better job of that. Um, And again, our guards are a little bit a little bit older, have a little more experience, so if you need to play him some, you can. Um, but that was probably the area that was the most challenging part of it for Chase. Not the offensive part of it, the decision making, or the running of the team, or you know, he did a really good job of all that.
0: Did the wearing effect though affect some of his offense and playing through contact? It could. Year? It
1: could, yes. Yeah. I do think there were times um You know, he did not shoot the ball as well in ACC play. He shot it very well from three in the the non-conference. In the league, he he did not shoot it as well. He kind of went through some struggles. Um, And I do think there was some wear and effect there of, yeah, playing 30 minutes, bringing the ball up versus pressure, handling the ball. Um, And that's, you know, again, Brevin wasn't, uh, Revin was more of a shooter and a direct driver of the basketball than a dribbler, and so uh, there was more pressure on Chase. When you play bigger with a three-man that's not a major dribbler either, like like Hunter, you have there's a lot of advantages: size, defense, rebounding. But he's not a, – a, there's more pressure on Chase to handle the ball in, in certain games. And so, yes, that's one of the things with getting Joe is now you've got another dribbler, right? And so you can – if somebody like KA Clark is all over Chase Hunter, you can throw the ball to, to Joe and let Joe bring it up with the second de, you know, defender. Um, and so, yeah, there was some things there that probably were challenging for Chase.
0: Hunter – Tyson was just such a dominant presence Like you could just feel him in the building. Yeah. How do you, I mean, I don't know if you can
1: replace it, but how do you yeah. begin to compensate for it? Yeah. You, it's not easy to replace some of that. You know, that's, those are some of the things, you know, I, I mean, I used to tell people all the time, but especially the two years before when Hunter got hurt, you know, Hunter broke his clavicle and missed like nine games. I think we were three and six. Um, and then the year before, he got knee in the face and had a, you know, stress fracture in his face. And uh, so there are some intangibles that he brings just in terms of competitive spirit, accountability, um, leadership. You know, Hunter was well-liked by his teammates, um, but he also was never afraid to challenge them. You know, he would challenge a guy if a guy needed it. Um and people respected it because he was such a hard worker and competitive guy. I think you know some of that rubbed off on PJ. PJ uh, has seen that, and as the year was going on, last year was becoming more vocal as a leader. And so that'll be a something for him. I think Chase has to take another step. Um, that's not as natural. Chase isn't a natural talker, but we've talked about it some, and you know he knows he has to be a little more vocal. Um, I think Joe can bring some of that as well because he is a, an older mature player who's a hard worker and, um, I think will be respected for what he knows. And, but I don't think it's easy. I think, you know, some years there are, there are, uh, things about your team that are just better, um, cohesion, leadership, um, and you don't do sometimes as a head coach, you know that's not as easy to to do. Um, but last year's team was was, I mean they were tremendous in terms of the way they approach things and.
0: When when you have such infusion of newness from elsewhere, does it take longer for things to sort of? Sort of yeah mm-hmm. early part of
1: the season yeah i think as a coach you have to you have to be mindful of it um, and you got to try to create situations where you can you know develop growth within your team and and you know the first thing is if guys don't like each other um, you know it, it's going to be hard um, and that's one of the risks of the portal is you don't always know some of the guys you're recruiting as well as some of the high school kids that you've recruited for you know two years 18 months whatever it is Um, you might be recruiting a guy for a month to three weeks Um, and so you think you know him and then you don't really know him and um, so you got to manage it Um, you know certainly part of the success in portal recruiting is recruiting kids that fit your culture and fit what we're about and being honest with them and what your expectations are like we you know we are a blue collar hard working program we 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 work a lot like we we're in the we do a lot of I tell guys like, you better be a morning person cuz we're going to do stuff four mornings a week I mean that's just and we're going to do stuff in the afternoon and you know when we do our skill work it's going to be hard and long and you're going to be challenged and but you're going to get better if you buy into it. Um, And, you know, some kids, uh, I don't think really understand it. You know, even Joe got a little taste of it this week in his first week of, man, i got to get in a little better shape. You know, it's uh, it's, it's a lot. Um, But I think we do a good job of finding the kids that fit what we're about, by and large, and – then we go about trying to, you know, do things both on and off the court to get them to mesh, genuinely mesh with one another and uh, try to keep your guys involved as much as you can and you can't in all situations with the recruiting process so that they get to know the guys during the process. All those things are important.
0: Any decision yet on a red shirt, possible redshirt for Jake?
1: No, that'll be later. Um it'll be later
0: he's had some sort of hip issues
1: yeah it's uh, I think it's actually his pubic bone or something Um, stress reaction that really kind of remarkable the kid played as much as he did Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the MRI results I
0: saw y'all or are in some talks with Memphis or Boise State is that
1: still on yep yeah, we getting close on those games. Um, yeah, I feel really good about it because, you know, again, just, you know, I'm, I hate what happened to our team last year. Um, you know, I feel like we we obviously, you know, lost a couple games that, that really hurt us. Um, but we were, you know, again, trying to schedule up. We actually gave away a guarantee game to schedule two neutral court games you know, in hindsight, that was probably a mistake now, but um, you know, you're just trying to create as many quad one and two scenarios as you can, Um, and Boise and Memphis are both teams that when you do the metrics on them, they're quad one and two games. Um, And so you're trying to create, again, environments that give your, your team opportunities to play meaningful games and um, so home a home-and-home with both of those guys uh, is likely.
0: What, what, was anything achieved substantially for, basketball, for you, for basketball in general at the ACC meetings, or did, did the no. real stuff just take up all the oxygen in the room?
1: Yeah, I was a little disappointed with that. Um, you know, I... I, I it's it's not good for I mean for any of us when we're getting five teams in the tournament and the third place team in the league with 23 wins doesn't make it it's problematic for the league um, and I, I mean I think we know it there are a lot of other things that are probably more important um, going on so that you know to make. Real change. I think you got to have a lot of people really on the same page. You know, with that as a as a major issue. Um, not that it's not an issue. It is, and not that it's not important. I think people understand that. But obviously, with all that's going along with, you know, the conference and and then obviously everything with football. Um, I do think that. It's probably affected basketball a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I sometimes try to remind Graham and people in our league this year. I really reminded people in our league that there's a lot of schools out there that don't play football. The Big East is a prime example of, you know, a great group of schools that are basketball pretty much only. And they're going to these meetings with, that is their focus, and they're meeting in the spring with their athletic directors. With that as their focus, and and it changes the, you know, it changes their programs, and uh, you know, it, it it's uh, our league's got to we got to stay current, and we've got to keep looking. We may have to change things. We may have to make some changes to ensure that this doesn't keep happening. You know, I do think that it's hard sometimes because Duke and Carolina are, you know, certainly the flagship programs of our basketball conference, just like Clemson and Florida State football are for football. And when, if one of them are down, I think there's a a narrative there that, you know, hurts the league a little bit. And then even the Syracuse and Louisville and, you know, I mean, those are basketball schools. Um, And when they're not as good, the narrative of your league, it's, it's hard to beat that. Um, You know, one of the frustrating things that I learned after the fact was that Bubba Cunningham, the AD for North Carolina uh, was on the committee and we all have a, we all have somebody that is looking at our league each league a couple of leagues and I think I don't know who our guy was i the commissioner of the Southland or somebody like that but when they were talking about the ACC schools because North Carolina was one of the schools under consideration he really couldn't be involved and man I thought that I didn't think that was good for us um and so I know from talking to him that he was shocked that, you know, that we were left out and a couple other schools in our league maybe went ahead of us. Um, but he was not in the room when they made the final decisions and votes.
0: So he couldn't be an advocate for the conference that he was representing. It's kind of to defeat the purpose a
1: little bit. Yes. I don't understand that either.
0: Did they, are they doing enough to promote the league in basketball?
1: Um, um I think our, you know, I, I just think they're it, you know, it, again, it takes everybody and it, you know, it takes your, your TV people. I think it takes your, you know, um, Your administrators, it, it takes your conference office. I just, you know, it's 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 just really competitive. Like because of the importance of the NCAA tournament, it's just it's gotten so competitive. Um, you know, the SEC. It wasn't that long ago that the SEC was struggling. Um, I do think that the SEC getting more money for their TV has helped their you know, all their athletic departments um, to have more money to spend on coaches and facilities and different things. And, you know, they've narrowed the gap.
0: Um, You and I have talked about the... In your mind, there's more sort of perception-wise, there's more emphasis on the 13 rather than the last five and if you look at the last six five, years. six year sample size that it's quite impressive how Clemson stacks up in the ACC do you, do you I just wanted to give you an opportunity yeah. to,
1: to no I, I mean I think I, I obviously see both sides of it right I mean I certainly understand that I've been the coach at Clemson for a long time and I'm Extremely thankful, and you know, don't take that lightly. Um, but it is a different—it's a—it's—it's it's a different job now than it was. Um, obviously, from a facility standpoint, and you know, I've—I've I've done a lot to help raise a ton of money at this school for basketball, um, more than most people would know. Um, and not just money to help build the facilities, but money for you know help get people involved to for NIL, help get involved for filling our our courtside seats. Um, we've just you know we've we've created a really good not just booster group, but a friend group of our program that did not exist when I got here. You know and. Everything from going to lunches, playing golf, taking different families to, you know, trips, foreign trips with us, going to dinners, just a lot of time to help create this environment for our program that is really good, um, that has helped, again, give us the facilities to be more on par with... um, the people we compete against and you know, that has only been the last six or seven years that we've, we've had these facilities and our recruiting has gotten better because of it. And so as a result, it's not that surprising that our results are better now, you know, obviously we use all this in recruiting, right? And that's part of why the recruiting has gotten better is people are seeing that, Hey, we, we have the fifth most wins in the ACC in the last six years. Um, you know, Virginia's one, uh, Duke is two, Florida State's three, North Carolina's four, um, we're five. We, we went to fifth this year. We were sixth. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm very proud of that. Now, I wish that, you know, that had three or four NCAA tournament bursts in that time period instead of two. Um we've been twice we've been right there and haven't gotten in um but we've been very we've been very consistent um i'd like to be better we're pushing to be better this year's team i think you know last year's team we kept talking about no limits and we felt like as the season started and when we were playing well that we could actually win the league and you know we until the last week of the season we were playing for the regular season championship which is you know remarkable and rarely done here this year's team we're hoping we'll have an opportunity to do the same um so yeah I, i think we've we certainly have elevated the program in the last you know six years or so but i i understand that you know i have been here and so you know i understand why people you know are looking at all 13 years and that's fine and that's part of it too and that's fair either way however you want to decide I'm just our recent recent success I do think is something that I I'm very proud of with our staff and players and um you know we're trying to build on that
0: I missed the court do you, I mean obviously you don't need him to be another Tyson as far as shots and minutes what, what do you anticipate his ideal niche?
1: yeah you know, I'm, an, I'm anxious to see because I know, you know, one of the reasons – I mean, the main reason why he left NC State was he, I just don't think he felt like he was utilized enough. Um, I think he's a good player. Um, I don't know his game that well yet. He's been hurt, you know, and he's going to be – it's going to take a while for us to get him. He actually had uh, hernia surgery. Uh, sports hernia surgery and so it'll be another couple weeks before he's really cleared um he's got great size i mean he's all of six nine i think Mm -hmm. um i liked his nose for the ball he averaged six and a half rebounds a game i thought we needed that we needed another rebounder obviously joe Girard is smaller our guards didn't do a great job rebounding last year um So we wanted a guy – and Hunter Tyson, we're going to – it's easy to see you're losing his 15 points, but you're also losing nine and a half rebounds. And so that's something that was important. He can shoot the ball. I think he he can shoot the ball better than his stats last year. Um, We'll put a lot of time and energy and effort on that, and I think he'll shoot the ball better. Um, And I like the fact that he's experienced. You know, I just – I really like our sophomores. I, lo- I like Chauncey Wiggins. I like R.J. Godfrey. I like uh, Dylan, Josh Beadle. You've got some guys there that have really good athleticism. They just need growth and time. Um, and with this year's team, I, didn't, I just didn't want to leave a stone unturned. I wanted to have as many older guys as we could with P.J. and Chase to make a run. And uh, so to get another guy who's an experienced player, who I hope is hungry uh, to win at a high level I thought was valuable for this team.
0: Anything I've missed?
1: Um, not that I can think of. Season tickets go on sale June 18th is what they, they told me that yesterday. <laughs> um. No, I'm just really excited about next year. Just, you know, again, building off of last year and, you know, certainly disappointed with how last year ended. Uh, a lot of time that I take responsibility for the Moorhead game. That's that's as much my fault as anybody's, um, and that, that really bothers me. But... Um, beyond that I was just unbelievably proud of last year's team and I thought just tremendous joy watching that team play last year in Little John and you know up until that game they only lost one game in there um, I just thought there were so many good days in that building and so many fun experiences and to watch a Hunter Tyson become a first team all-conference player to be playing the last week of the season to for a chance to win the league and you know, we did have some injuries with Chase, you know, missing a few games and Brevin missing a couple games and obviously P.J. really not being full strength. Um, I just was really proud of last year's team and wanted to use that momentum to build on this season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and can't wait to get started, really. Just got a good group.
0: You said Moorhead was as much your fault as guys. What
1: do you mean? Just, you know, when your team doesn't, doesn't play like they should you know you've got to figure out a way to we have to figure out a way to win that game and you know it's it was a different game in that we were ready to play because um, we came out and we had a 15 point lead or 12 point lead or 14 point lead whatever it was you know and I I played a bunch of guys and we kind of lost the lead at the end of the first half and that was you know there was a little mistake there maybe in I want to say playing younger guys so much but initially um and then we tightened up in the second half and uh you know uncharacteristically we just we we didn't make shots and uh the part the reason we lost the game was defensively we weren't as hungry um you know we started the game that way and then when it got a little tense we lost our hunger and swagger defensively and aggressiveness defensively. And I should have recognized that and you know addressed that better. That that that's you know, you needed to figure out a way to, to to win that and that's that's on me. And I just I just hate that that, that was the last game in the building for that year. Um, Hopefully that serves as a chip on our shoulder. We'll see.
0: If you're in the Columbia or Sumter or PD areas and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experienced team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Okay, not long after our sit down with Brad Brownell, the news broke that Preston Green, who coached at Clemson, or the, was the strength coach at Clemson back in the day under Brownell and a Clemson grad, was coming back to Clemson, so we thought it important enough to get uh, Brad on the phone to reflect on that hire. Here we go. Yeah, um,
1: you know, at the end of the uh first off, Justin McClellan was really good, and uh, did an unbelievable job for us for three years. He's, uh, you know, hate to see him go, but, um, happy for him and his family because they're from up that way and have a bunch of family in the Philly Jersey area. Um, you know, so, and Villanova is actually where he kind of started in the business. Um, you know, he was, I think he was a GA there and, um, spent, spent a good bit of time there. Uh, initially. And so that's kind of the guy that retired there was kind of one of his mentor first mentor. And then, um, ironically, Preston, I think kind of became his second mentor when he was down there in Florida. Um, Preston was actually the guy that recommended Justin to me. He was at Florida working with women down there. and, And, you know, every time I've had an opening, I've always called Preston to see, you know, um, he's got somebody that he really trusts that, that would be good for me. And, uh, you know, the last time, um, he obviously recommended JMac, And, uh, so that was kind of a natural situation. Um, and so then, you know, it's really, uh, you know, fortunate a little bit, he, you know, he left here, he worked for me for a year, I think it was only, uh, and then, You know, left and went to Florida to work for Billy Donovan. Um, You know, at the time, I don't think we really even tried to match what they were offering him uh, to keep him, Um, which was a little disappointing. I remember, you know, hating losing him because I thought he's just really, really good. And, and, uh, you know, he's since I mean, he's become one of the one of the better strength coaches in basketball You know, in the basketball world, he's a guy who people call all the time. Um, You know, he's been offered a million jobs at a bunch of different schools. And, um, he's, he's just, uh, very well respected in the profession and recommended a, a, a bunch of guys to, um, you know, strength programs all over the country. Um, but it was kind of a unique situation when Mike White left, uh, Florida. He did not go with Mike to Georgia. And, uh, you know, I didn't really get into all the details of why, um, a lot of times coaches will bring a strength coach with them. And I think, uh, Todd golden did. And so, um, ironically, you know, Preston was looking last year and ended up going to Miami. Um, obviously they had a great year, but I don't think he loved it down there. And, you know, I've kept in touch with Preston throughout this, you know, throughout the whatever, 10 or 12 years since he's been gone, um, and called him, you know, like I said, on multiple occasions, he still has family back this way. And, um, you know, I, I think he made it known that, you know, this would be a time would be, he would think about coming back and, uh, so it's worked out great and this is his first week and you know i'm ecstatic to have him he's he's just really good at what he does very knowledgeable and tremendous energy and very passionate about what he does you know he'll he'll continue making a major impact and obviously because he and you know he mentored justin um you know i think it should be a seamless transition for our players in terms of it's not going to be a a drastic change in how things are done, you know, philosophically.
0: This might be a stupid question, but what does, when you say, I mean, what, does a, what does a really good strength coach look like? What, is, what does that materialize into that a coach and that people can
1: see? I think the first thing that people, you know, um, you know, real, need to realize is that, how much time those guys spend with your players. You know, like if you think about it in the summer, uh, we have eight hours and we have four hours of basketball and four hours of strength training um, and conditioning, whatever, you know, that's that's all different can be anything. Um, so I mean, that's half the time. Right. And then if you think about guys um, who are trying to add weight or, you know, lose weight, whatever it is, you know, they may come in for some additional work on their own. Um, and obviously strength coach is usually there to monitor it and uh, so that relationship um, with that guy becomes extremely valuable Um, and you know it's like PJ Hall right now I mean we talked about it a little bit earlier in the interview I mean he was a young you know talented you know uh, but a kid when he got here right and uh, I mean he's a He's a big time grown up man now. Like, and his body has changed, you know, dramatically. Even though, if you'd have asked, you know, most people, he looked like a big time athlete. You know, uh, coming out of high school, and he was for a seventeen year old, eighteen year old kid. But now, as a twenty one year old, you know, guy that's been in a college strength program for three years and who's grown up. You know, off the court as well, the maturity, I mean he's he's at a completely different, issue, uh, different level. and uh, you know, and a lot of that, hey, Justin McClellan gets credit for a lot of that because of the time and care that he spent with with uh, uh, you know pj and the, and a lot of the other guy. I mean he's that's just one guy. It was funny because I thought of that because the other day I was down there. And the guys were doing pull-ups, and, uh, you know, they're doing obviously all these different, you know, at arm day or whatnot. So they're doing all different kinds of exercises, and they're doing, you know, whatever sets of pull-ups. And P.J., their last set was a burnout set. I can't remember how many P.J. got, but it was, you know, double figures of some sort. And, uh, you know, I asked him, hey, man, like your freshman year, what would you have got? He said, you know, four, um, you know three at this time after doing all this other stuff, you know, and so now he's, you know, he's doing 15 after doing, you know, three or four sets of all this other work and ending with that. And it's, you know, some of that's strength, certainly. Um, It's also a little bit of mental toughness. I mean, it's all of it. It's maturity. It's, you know, and it's, uh, so the relationship piece is a big key uh, with your strength coach. I mean, the kids got to want to work for them right they've got to have a positive relationship with the strength coach because you know kids changing their body i mean they're motivated to do that um but they're really motivated if they like the guy they're doing it with and uh and that's where nutritionists and all that stuff comes into play um so obviously there's the technical aspects of teaching The programs and all those different things that you got to do, but at the end of the day, it also is a relationship-driven business, just like coaching is. You got to have strong relationships with your players to get them to to get that extra, you know, 10% out of them, right? To get them to go to another level, to to get them to really achieve things that they're not sure that they can do, or, you know, you inspire them to to take it to another level, and and, uh, you know, I think Preston and J Mac,
0: both have been, you know, really unbelievable time. Okay, always enjoy sitting down with Brad Brownell. So engaging and open and enlightening uh in a number of ways. I appreciate the support of our sponsors, including our newest one, Willie Taco, and of course, thanks to every one of you for listening. Really appreciate it. Cheers.